Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. On episode 37 of the Green Street Hammers podcast, Adam and Jeremiah are joined by the Kevin Slade of Sex, Drugs, and Carlton Cole. We talk West Ham's 2-2 draw with Bournemouth, the loss of Fabianski to injury, the Crystal Palace matchup coming, and we end the episode by going through some Hammers polls questions. Keep it locked on the Green Street Hammers podcast. All right, welcome back to the Green Street Hammers podcast. We are here for episode 37 live uh, as we look ahead to the month of October. And Jeremiah and myself are here as usual, but we have a special guest host that's going to be spending the entire episode with us today. It's Kevin Slade from Sex, Drugs, and Carlton Cole. Kevin, how are you doing? I'm not too bad, guys. How are you? Thanks for having me on. We are doing great. Jeremiah, how are you doing? I'm, I'm good, man. I'm relieved. We got out of Bournemouth with a, with a point. I'll take it. <laughs> You know what? That's, a, that's a, you opened the door for a, a delightful conversation on how grateful we should be for an away point with circumstance uh, being what it was, uh, and you know we're going to jump into this match again. The, the format will be the same for this one. We're going to talk about Bournemouth. We're going to jump into Crystal Palace, and we're going to hammer some hammers pulls questions at the end and get that West Ham fan pulse. Uh, but first things first, uh, West Ham lined up uh, unchanged going into Bournemouth, although Manuel Lanzini was back on the bench for this match. Kevin, we'll go with you first. When you were heading into this match, did you have an, an air of confidence about you that West Ham were going to pick up all three points? Um, it's a very difficult place to go to, Bournemouth. The last time we won there was in 2015-16. Obviously, when we had Dimitri Payet, that was the last time that we won there. Um, you know, We've had some controversial matches there in the past as well with a 3-3 draw. Um, but I didn't think we was going to lose. I wasn't confident of a win for that reason but I didn't think we was going to lose the game um, but you know look, to go to Bournemouth and, uh, and and take a point because there isn't an easy game in the Premier League anymore whenever you look at a fixture list particularly now with all the money you know that's come into the Premier League and you've got teams like Bournemouth that are spending 30-40 million on players um, you know you can't look at that fixture and go right that's a free pointer I definitely don't do that anyway so to come away from that game with a point I think was a fair result for us to be honest yeah, I can't disagree with you just based off of the history alone. Um, mm. Jeremiah, and I want both of your opinions on this one, but we'll start with you, Jeremiah. Do you find a, a bit of confidence in the team being largely unchanged from match to match and also the formation staying the same? So West Ham seemed to be playing uh, or setting up to play the same style of attacking football, whether it's Manchester United at home or Bournemouth away? Yeah, no, I think it's good to see. I, uh, I'm finding a lot of confidence in it. I think that previously we would have talked even last season about um, you know, Pellegrini was switching things up and kind of trying to find the right players for the right uh, positions. And it's good to finally see that. Uh, I think it, it's panning out. Um, it's good to see the team's got the confidence back. Uh, you know, a little worried. And I'm glad we're not really touching on the uh, Oxford match at all. But uh, I think it's good to see that as well. We kind of have a confidence of uh, coming back from that. So, yeah, overall, very confident in it. 
I think there's been talk of a team psychiatrist being needed, but uh, I, I would agree with that for sure. <laughs> Kev, what, what do you think about the formation and the team uh, staying the same regardless of the opponent? Well, it's it's working. I mean, um, last season when Pellegrini came in, obviously he was trying to trying to find his best eleven and you know his best formation. He mixed it up a little bit last season, but this season we've seen a lot of consistency, particularly in the Premier League. Obviously, we won't talk about the uh, the Oxford game. I think we all want to forget about that as, yeah. as quickly as possible. I'm with you. <laughs> Yeah, but we are we are starting to see some consistency now uh, with the starting eleven and um, and with the style of play and you know and with the formation and you know what people have got to remember is we've only lost one game in the season in the Premier League and that was against Manchester City. So moving on from there, we're still undefeated with the same eleven, bar a couple of injuries, and you know playing the same style of football. So you know I'm very confident going into uh, into the season uh, with what we've been seeing so far from Pellegrini's uh, West Ham. But obviously, the major worry is uh, losing Fabianski on Saturday against Bournemouth. And I'm glad so, you brought you know, that, that up. It's mm. something we should probably touch on before any of the positives throughout the match. Uh, I think <laughs> it's something we need to get off our chest here. But uh, mm. you know, Kevin, I'll let you have the, the first the first word here. How concerning is this for you when you look at West Ham keeping up their current run of form? It's very concerning uh, to lose someone of that ilk you know he's such a fantastic goalkeeper and I'll be honest with you when when we first signed him I wasn't convinced I really wasn't convinced but he's he's massively massively proved me wrong um and you know we haven't got the merry-go-round anymore of you know Adrian's being dropped then we're bringing in Darren Randolph then we're bringing in Joe Hart you know we've actually got a solid number one goalkeeper um mm. that is going to keep possibly any goalkeeper in the Premier League out by you know bar players like David De Gea or someone like that but um, it is it is very worrying because this this could change our season very early on. Um, but you know, Roberto, not many of our fans are impressed with him. But at the end of the day, we've got to back him because he's going to be in goal for the next two to three months now. So we've got to get behind him. Um, you know, we've got to show him that support. And uh, you know, we can only hope that it's not going to cause us major problems because the defence is looking solid at the moment as well. So. Um, you know what Fabianski is good at as well is commanding his defence uh, I don't think Roberto is very good at doing that uh, from what I've seen of him but uh, as I say lads you know we, we've really got to get behind him now because this is going to be a, a big two to three months and historically uh, we start to lose form uh, in the winter so um, you know this is this is a really big two to three months for us now without Fabianski I completely agree and it's such a unique position to the goalkeeper because if you're if you're a new center back or you know a starting center back gets hurt and you have to come in off the bench and, and you're not the first choice you know that the rest of your teammates know that you have another partner you can lean on fullbacks you can lean on and that keeper behind you that you can lean on same mm-hmm. for a fullback same for a midfielder the keeper is the last line of defense it's the it's you know the unique kind of quarterback position you see the game from a different perspective than anybody else and there's a lot of pressure that comes with that um, I thank the Lord in retro, you know, retrospect here that we did not have a stream for that Oxford match because the highlights themselves were, horrified me. Just seeing it looked like someone won a competition <laughs> to go in net for West Ham because they weren't even diving. It looked like he didn't didn't get any grass stains on his kit. So that was concerning. It was a better performance from him. He had that unbelievable save uh, on Callum Wilson against Bournemouth to, to keep the game level, um, mm-hmm. or actually to keep the game within reach. I, think, I believe it was two one Bournemouth at the time. So yeah. He showed up there. The, the goal that Callum Wilson scored, that was atrocious team defending in the 46th minute to start the second half. We'll get to that, I'm sure. Uh, but 
this debate almost has to happen now because the the gap between Fabianski and everyone else is so massive, but we don't know the gap between Roberto and David Martin because we've never seen Martin play, and he was in the championship last season for a Millwall team that did pretty well despite them being mm-hmm. Millwall. So, Jeremiah, do you want to see more out of Roberto, or do you want to see there there being this uh, short leash on him, and, and you know the second something happens, we see a switching goal? It's tough. I don't know, you know, how long the leash is and how long that's going to be, because uh, like you said, we don't know anything about Martin. We don't know what, uh, how good Trot or Anang is going to be yet. Uh, our other kind of reserve keepers, and I know that uh, Trot's out and he's looked decent at times uh, for Wimbledon, but we really don't know. I guess really how long the leash is. I think, like Kev, like you said, um, we got to put our faith. We got to back him. We got to be behind him. Um, hopefully, I'm going to try to keep an optimistic level about this. Hopefully, <laughs> now that in practice, he's going to be he's going to be getting more practice. Right? He's going to be able to uh, get a lot more time in goal and getting work with him just directly with him so hopefully like we saw in the match he slowly progressed you know a little bit by the end of the match i wasn't as nervous uh i guess as i was when he first came on the pitch but yeah we got to back him and i think that if uh you know there's a couple matches that go two or three matches where he just looks miserable then then yeah something's got to happen mm. any any thoughts on the keepers uh and you know if if we should be able to see david martin anytime soon kevin um, I mean, look, Roberto, Roberto was signed as a number two to replace Adrian. You know, we all mm-hmm. knew that Adrian didn't want to didn't want to be there anymore. As much as we all loved him, he won his first team football. Um, and obviously, you know, we when we had the merry-go-round with Randolph, Adrian, and uh, and Joe Hart, um, you know, they was all challenging for that number one spot. But because Fabianski is such a fantastic goalkeeper, there isn't anyone really challenging him for that spot. So now is the time for Roberto to actually step up and, uh, you know, uh, grasp that, uh, that opportunity that he's now going to get. And let's just hope that he doesn't get injured because if he does, then, you know, <laughs> Martin is going to have to step up and take that number one spot who was signed as a third choice keeper to allow Nathan Trott to go out on loan uh, to gain some experience. So, you know, it, it, is, it is very worrying at the moment. Um, I'm not going to lie, you know, I'm not going to sort of try and dress it up. It is, it is quite worrying because, like I said, it could change our season very early on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure that other other teams that come to the London Stadium when we go away, they will probably identify that as the weak link in our team. Uh, having a goalkeeper that isn't anywhere near, you know, as good as uh, uh, Lucas Fabianski. But, um, you know, like I said, we, we've got to get behind him. We've got to back him. I think, you know, the senior players have picked up on, you know, some ongoings on social media from the fan base and uh, they're publicly coming out and backing him now as well so yeah we've we've just really got to get behind him completely agree and, and i think there's there's mm. not really any other choice than that but uh, let's put the negative behind us here and let's go to the positive in this one <laughs> and it started pretty mm. early for west ham it was a 10 minute goal for yarmolenko who would have thought he pulled the ball across the front of his body and hit it with his left foot curled it into the net it looked mm. pretty good uh Kev, what are your thoughts on the link-up play between Alaire and Yarmolenko and even Felipe Anderson, who picked out that long ball across to, to our striker there? Oh, fantastic. I mean, you know, the chemistry between those three is uh, is really starting to, to, to pay off now. I mean, I was at Watford away, and those three absolutely ran the show at Watford away. Um, but, yeah, as you say, you know, I mean, the exciting, the exciting thing about West Ham at the moment is we are trying to play 
uh, slick, quick attacking football, and and we are actually starting to see it. You know, we've we've wanted it for years and years and years, but obviously we haven't had the personnel nor the money to uh, you know to to make it happen. But uh, I tell you what. What what a player is becoming, Yarmolenko. Oh, I mean, you know, he man. he got he got hit with a bad injury last season, and uh, I felt really sorry for him because he was just starting to pick up form. And uh, but the good thing about that is Antonio was on red hot form before his injury. Absolutely. And uh, and again, Yarmolenko has come back into the team, and uh, and absolutely done the same thing. You know, he's he's on red hot form at the moment. So when Antonio does come back, <laughs> it is a great problem to have. You know, it is an absolute fantastic problem to have. You know. Uh, two players battling uh, for that for that spot. So you know who who do you go with? Because I am a massive fan of Antonio as well. So, uh, but like I said, lads, it's, it's a great problem to have. And uh, you know, long may it continue with Yarmolenko because uh, he is starting to look like a really really good player for us. And, so and, long may it continue. Mm. And Antonio was even used as a bench option behind mm-hmm. Yarmolenko when Yarmolenko wasn't in form. So it's nice to to see that there's that t- sort of tug of war that's going to happen for that position. Uh, any thoughts on that first goal, Jeremiah? What impressed you the most with it? And, and you know, was it nice to see Weston get off to a quick start rather than starting slow out of the blocks? Oh, yeah. you got to love the fact that we're starting out. You know, we're coming out of the gate attacking, pressing, and, uh, and looking good doing it. And I think the most impressive thing is everybody in the entire stadium should have known that he was going to try to curl it around <laughs> to the left, and he was going to curl it in with the left foot, and he still did it, and it looked fantastic doing it. Um, the way he kind of backed down Ake and then and just turned and kicked and it was it was beautiful the whole thing, um, really impressed with the startup play with Anderson with that ball in a lot of long passes that game that looked just fantastic and and overall yeah I think you guys said it perfectly but I'm really impressed with just how everybody knew it was going to happen and it still happened and it still went in. Mm-hmm. We uh, we wrote about this a little while ago at GreenStreetHammers.com. Yarmolenko is chasing pretty attainable Premier League history as the highest scoring Ukrainian <laughs> player. Uh, he's currently tied in third with Andre Voronin. Uh, he's got Shevchenko at nine ahead of them, and then uh, Sherry Rebrov, uh, a former West Ham man himself. He scored one goal for West Ham in 26 matches, uh, and, but made his made his bones at uh, at Tottenham uh, in the Premier League. So it'd be nice to see him knock a, a spur off the top there. And I think mm. you know, as long as he's going to be starting and he's healthy, there's goals in that in that boot. I don't care what you say about it. And also, he, he needs to score a header to get rid of the blockhead nickname. That's going around. I mean, I think that started against Chelsea when he missed the open goal. So it'd be nice to see that pop up. Um, as we mentioned, uh, Bournemouth really did really did well to battle back in this match. Early on, it was a lot of West Ham holding the ball. Um, but they, they battled back. Joshua King gets a goal that uh, VAR ruled onside after the flag had gone up. And the goal itself was a, was a great worked uh, you know, training ground training ground play that they, they drew up there. Uh, the defending was awful because nobody picked up King who could walk in alone and Fabianski could do, do nothing about it. But uh, maybe this is an opportunity for us to say, okay, we're, we're two months into the season now. Is VAR getting better? It seemed to be poured on over the top to start, and now it seems to be pulled away. Uh, what are your thoughts on VAR so far, Kev? Uh, you know what? It's a very interesting question, that is. I mean, when... I watched it in the uh, in the World Cup. I wasn't a fan of it whatsoever. Uh, I really, really wasn't. Uh, but now it's coming to the Premier League. Uh, you know, I wanted to give it a chance. I did because, like it or lump it, it's here. You know, we can't do anything about it. So, like it or lump it, you know, we, we're, we're stuck with it. But after watching the Tottenham game last night, I don't think VAR is the problem. I think it's the decisions that they're making 
after watching the videos that's mm-hmm. a problem mm-hmm. um you know i mean i don't know whether you you guys saw that uh, that blatant foul by aurea last night against Bayern munich oh he landed two feet on him right Exa- mm-hmm. exactly and they watched it back and they didn't send him off i mean you know I'm, i know we're talking about west ham at the moment but obviously it's on the subject of vo i mean what is all that about you know, and the night before, I think uh, who was it? Who, uh, who was it? Play was it Bruges and Madrid? I think it was. Uh, there was an absolute perfect clean cut tackle, uh, tackle, and the guy got sent off for it. And they actually watched it back on the video as well. So, you know, I think with a bit of work, I think I think it could work. But I'm I'm definitely not I'm not a fan of it. You know, because it takes away the passion and the excitement. You know, I mean, if you score a goal, you know, in the and the stadium erupts, you're going to think, well, was that offside? Should we cheer? Like, you know, what do we do? So, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know, lads. I mean, I really, I'm not a fan of it. I mean, you know, I'll, I'd scrap it tomorrow if I could. I'm really not a fan of VAR. I know it could work in our favour as well, but I'm really not a fan of it. Jeremiah, I, I want to know your impression of it because, Kev, do you do you have a season ticket? I do, yeah. Okay, so, so I mean, I'm in Toronto, Kev, uh, sorry, uh, mm. Jeremiah, you're in Colorado, so... We obviously are making it out to the weekly matches here. Um, so mm-hmm. there, there is certainly a different uh, viewing perspective from us. Being a, an at-home or a, you know, a TV supporter and, and watcher of the matches, do you feel as impacted as Kev does uh, based on his opinion from VAR in the game? I don't know if it's uh, the fact of watching it from TV or just the fact of being a, uh, a sports fan living in uh, North America. You know, every I feel like every other sport that we have has some type of a replay or a challenge. So we've just kind of been numb and used to it over the last 20-plus years of it kind of uh, popping up. But I think uh, I think it's slowly getting better. But you're absolutely right, Kevin. I didn't really think about it until you said it, but I think it's not so much the actions of VAR itself, but it's the calls that are coming from it. And you look at, uh, you know, certain referees, and I don't want to pull out Mike Dean, but, you know, him not even – they're not even using it or calling it off. You know the options are there. I think I think if you're going to use it, uh, then you got to use it for everything for its fullest potential and not make it an option. Um, if you're going to have it, it's got to be it's got to be there. But I, I do think that the calls are slowly you know getting better, um, and we've had some work for us and we've had some work against us. So kind of impartial with that. But yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's 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 interesting the different perspectives on it. I think if there was some sort of standard to how it was used, so. You know, every play is reviewable. Not, you know, let's say uh, Mike Dean waves something off, doesn't mm-hmm. matter. It, it goes to VAR and he gets something in his ear that tells him you made a mistake, mm-hmm. which uh, they'd probably wear out that speaker. But uh, you know, <laughs> it would if there was a perfect application for it. But you know, this is the first season of it being used. There, there's going to be massive changes. There already have been pretty large scale changes on how often it's used. So we can only hope that now that it's here and it's not going anywhere, that they make it at least better and quicker so it doesn't take the the spirit of the, of the game out of it um guys we'll skip over callum wilson's goal i think that was uh, another example of west ham just being slow starters this time in the second half and we'll go to aaron cresswell uh, he banged in a goal that was kind of sloppy in the end but uh, a beautiful play from yarmolenko to pick out felipe anderson a beautiful layoff header from him and cresswell uh did best thing he could which was hit that ball as hard as he could directly at the goal and it, and it ricocheted and went in um, but you can't take anything away from him. A beautiful, a beautiful setup play there, and he finished it and made sure it went in to, to secure a point for West Ham. Mm-hmm. I saw a graphic today. I'd let you guys have your comments on this and your thoughts. Based on current form uh, in football in general, Aaron Cresswell would make uh, England's international team right now, uh, su- su- uh, passing, surpassing uh, 
Danny Rose from Tottenham. What are your thoughts on Cresswell's resurgence in these last couple matches here? And do you see him as possibly earning another year or two on his deal? Or does the, do the club need to move on and revamp that left-back position? Um, I'm a massive, massive fan of Aaron Cresswell. Um, when Sam Allardyce signed him back in 2014, I kind of knew a bit about his history when he played for Ipswich. So I knew that we were getting a really, really good player. Uh, he got hammer of the year that season as well. Um, and the year after that was the last season at the bowling, which I personally think was his best season mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. Uh, for West Ham. I thought he was fantastic that season. Um, and in the pre-season after that, he obviously picked up quite a bad injury and he hasn't quite been the same player since. Uh you know, so it was sad to see him lose a bit of form. I also think he's lost a little bit of pace. But uh, getting back to more recent times, obviously he lost his place to Arthur Mazowaku, uh, who I'm not really a big fan of, but rightly so, because he's been playing really well as well. Um, but since his ban, Aaron Creswell was stepped up massively. Again, so that's a perfect example of another player who is battling for the shirt and really wants to play. Because, you know, we're starting to see now, we're long gone of the years where the 11 picks itself and they're just being a bit, you know, a bit lackadaisical about it. You know, I mean, Aaron Creswell, he really, really has. He's only played two games a season, but he has really stepped up since Masuaku's been banned. And again, when he come, when Masuaku comes off his ban, you know, who do, who do we pick? You know? Yeah. So I think Creswell definitely deserves to keep his place um, for the way he's been playing for the past two games. And again, he's got two goals in two games as well. So, you know, we've got to stick with him, really. I think um, I think he's going to have a good season if he uh, if he stays in the starting eleven. Jeremiah, do you see him going into Southgate's team? <laughs> I don't know. I think if he keeps it up, um, he might he might not have a lot of choice. I think he's definitely on the radar. Uh, we might see him show up to watch a couple of matches and uh, to see how he does. But it's such a good thing to see too. You know, he. How many times have we, not really maybe slated him off, but we've talked about how good Mazawaku's been playing and how poorly he's been playing. And to see him come back and to fight for that uh, for that starting 11 spot and to get it, and now just looks so well in the last couple of matches. It's uh, it's really good to see that the players that, mm-hmm. like we've already talked about, him and Yarmolenko coming in for players that have been banned or injured, and uh, they pick right up where the other person left off and make it even better. So it's good to mm-hmm. see that there is competition in those spots, and that's what we wanted. I think we... We kind of we talked about it before longing not having competition at a lot of positions and now you can see a lot of those spots have competition at every single position that we have almost it's a nice mm-hmm. change of pace at the club that's mm-hmm. for sure um we'll, we'll bookend uh we'll bookend this uh talk i'm born with here and we'll open up a new chapter to the match coming ahead for me it's 12 30 p.m on saturday for jeremiah that would be what 11 30 in the morning 10 30 10 30 in the morning i never get my yeah. central mountain times right uh and, and <laughs> what time's kickoff for you it'll be 5 30 5 30 okay yeah. so it's crystal palace it's west ham uh london stadium is the uh landscape for this matchup here heading into it if everything were the same as it were heading into bournemouth i would be completely content in picking West Ham for a pretty lopsided win with a with a potential clean sheet knock on wood of course uh to protect that but things have changed and we know Roberto will be in the starting lineup for West Ham uh Kev, what are your thoughts on Crystal Palace they're doing okay this year but it's been rather an unspectacular run for them and what are your thoughts on playing them in general how, how do you feel West Ham usually turn up against uh Palace 
We've got a very good home record against Crystal Palace, um, particularly since we've been at the London Stadium. You know, we've seen a couple of wins, but we haven't got the greatest record against them away. So, you know, I think they're I think they're one of their one of them teams where again you look at the fixture list and we've got them away. Oh, I don't fancy that one. That's what I'm usually like anyway. But when we play them at home, um, you know, straight away I'd be like, yeah, I fancy that one. Nice three points. You know, two or three goals maybe. Um, I don't want to sound too overly confident because, as a West Ham supporter, you know you, you, you can't get too overly confident <laughs> because you, you you know you could beat Man City one week, then lose to Swansea the next week. That's just what it's like supporting West Ham. It's, it is the West Ham way, but um, I, I am very confident for, uh, for for Saturday against Palace. I think uh, you know it, it's on TV as well, so you know everyone's going to be watching it around the world, and I, I really do think that uh, we're going to turn it on on Saturday. So I'm I'm looking for a two or three 0 win. Jeremiah, you wrote a piece for Green Street Hammers about there being a weak point for Crystal Palace uh, and West Ham need to attack that. Go into a little more detail there and, and sort of tell us how and why West Ham can win this game and the tactics they'll need to employ. Yeah, so, you know, being a good, young, uh, aspiring podcaster and, and journalist as myself, um, <laughs> I, tried to, uh, I tried to go on and I, I rewatched the match and watched a lot of it. And, and the weak point, uh, maybe not really a weak point, but their midfield just hasn't been up to par, maybe as usual. And they, you know, they have former hammer, uh, Chet Coyote out there. And um, their midfield has a lot of aggression. They're pretty good defensively, but going forward, you don't see much. And typically they do run a 4-3-3, so they're going to be attacking more. But um, the way our midfield has performed, I think that they're just going to overpower them. Um, hopefully I don't jinx anything by, by throwing that out there. But I do think that our midfield, just the way they've been passing aggressively too, you know, going off the pitch, like we've talked a lot about on this podcast, is like there's not – the, the backwards possession that we've had before where they're kind of passing back to the keeper through the defense and then just kind of going back and forth and around. They're finding good passes moving forward. And um, I think that, that that's going to kind of tear apart that Crystal Palace midfield. Um, they do have good attacking play still, which is going to be important and key for those wingers to get back and, um, and cover back and do the same kind of thing that they've been playing all year. So I, I think just keeping the same form, uh, in the same formation shape as well, I think it's going to be key. But I, I just think that the midfield attack is really going to have have good success this weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, when I look at this team, it's interesting because they aren't really a team that pops out on paper. Um, but they're, you know, Luka Milivojevic, Milivojevic can can make an impact oh. in a game. That's for sure. Wilfred Zaha, we know, has undeniable talent. I don't like how he carries himself on the pitch and his attitude. But that's just me. He's he's a he's a great footballer, and Schlupp is a player who, dis, despite the name and, and sort of uh, you know, the, the, the lackluster, I don't know, shine to the player himself, he he turns up in matches and, and he'll win a game for them. Jordan Ayew, I'm not too too overly concerned about, but the leadership of Gary Cahill can't be overlooked, uh, and as well, like I said, Milivojevic is a strong player for them. Uh, ben mm-hmm. Arnholt, I don't know, he he. I've always liked him as a fullback, but he's had, he's he's been kind of hot and cold this season, and he's had some errors certainly. Um, Kev, when you look at this team, is there any player that you're circling as a problem for West Ham or someone they need to sort of monitor? And uh, you know, you can maybe give two if the obvious one is Wilfred Zaha. Yeah, well, you've hit the nail on the head there. I mean, when when I look at a Crystal Palace side, he is the one that you know is always the is always the worry, you know, because he is, you know, I'm in complete agreement with you. I don't, I don't like him. I don't like the way he carries himself. I think he's a diver. You know, I think he's a cheat. I think he's got a serious attitude problem, but you know, he is a very, very, very talented uh, footballer. Um, So, 
he is the the obvious concern. But then again, you've got Andros Townsend, who who is also he can also turn it on, and uh, he's got a couple of goals in him as well, and he can be very dangerous as we've seen over the years. But um, overall, not not many of them not many of them concern me in the Palace team. To be honest with you, if you'd have asked me this two two years ago, then I probably would have picked out three or four. But I think we've I think we're more than capable of coping with them uh, on Saturday. So, yeah, I think probably Andros Townsend and Wilfred Sahar, that those are the two that I'd be worried about. Jeremiah, who are your uh, circled players? Yeah, I think really, uh, if I had to circle one, it would probably be Townsend. I think just the way he kind of quietly has an approach to it where he can kind of get into the right spot at the right time. And we saw that um, kind of at the end of the game, their last match. Uh, he just is in the right spot at the right time and finished it. So that ability, it, it does scare me a little bit against Roberto. Um not we're not sure yet what we're going to see this week um but i think that that would be it you know they crystal palace as a team they have a lot of uh they're getting not really penalized but a lot of yellow cards this this so far this season and i think that's going to come into play too as far as a, a way of just being aggressive and pushing it so yeah there's not other than him and, and obviously zaha which zaha really hasn't been on too much so far this season um like you said, Adam with IU, I mean he's got good stats, but realistically and stati- you know historically he's not. Um, he's always been the little brother to Andre, but now he's kind of stepping up and out of that shadow. Andre scored today for Swansea, by the way. Um, nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, 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 uh, I don't know this team. The, the, I guess outside of Zaha, uh, Townsend was going to be my pick, but I want to be original. So I, I'm going to go back to Milivojevic. He's a gritty player, right? He, he's, mm-hmm. he's always got his elbows up. He's always going to make it lunging tackle, and he's always good for at least one yellow card. Um, and he, I think he's a glory hunter when it comes to celebrating penalties that he was nowhere near winning for his team, that he slots home. And uh, I don't know. You can maybe make the claim against Mark Noble, but anyways, I digress. Uh, I, I like Milivojevic's grit and that sort of physicality he brings to the midfield, but we know Cheku Kiate is not going to be attacking people. We know MacArthur uh, isn't necessarily a game changer in the midfield, so I agree with your original point, Jeremiah, that that this game is really for West Ham to take down the middle. You know, keep keep Zaha, Schlupp, Townsend, whoever has got the ball out wide, keep them isolated and, and take the midfield completely out of it, and, and West Ham can roll over this match. I think on possession alone. Um, just looking back here on their last couple of, actually on their whole season's worth of performances, um, we have them uh, drawing nil nil to Everton. Sheffield beat them one nil. They beat United two one. Uh, they moved on to beat uh, Aston Villa one nil. Tottenham beat them four nil. They drew Wolves and uh, they just came off a, or they're coming off of a two nil win over Norwich City. Uh, it should be noted in their win over Villa. It was a red card. Everton had a red card against them in a nil-nil draw, and their uh, draw with Wolves had a red card for Wolves as well. So something's happening here. I don't know exactly what, but hopefully that trend bucks. Um, But we'll we'll maybe go into some score predictions here and some match predictions. Kev, do you fancy a win for West Ham? And if so, what do you think the scoreline is going to be? I do do fancy a win this weekend, Ledge, yeah. Um, I'm going to go with... I'm, I'm going to say 2 0. I'm going to say I save 2 0 with a clean sheet. Roberto is going to keep a clean sheet. Massive. That would be massive, I think, for the mentality mm-hmm. of every player, mm-hmm. Roberto, and every supporter of, of West Ham if that came true. Yeah. Jeremiah, what do you think? I'm not going to be as positive, although I do think that uh, we're going to come through with a win. I think it'll be 3 um, 2. I think somewhere along the line they're going to get two pass, but I think that by the end of it, we're going to be too much pressure attacking wise. Um, and see some goals maybe from Allaire to the, the usual ones, right? But I think it's going to be good overall, and we're going to get 3-2. 
I, 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 I'm more on your side here, uh, uh, Jeremiah. I, I'm going to call 4-1. Uh, I always go bold. Uh, and I've never predicted a clean sheet yes, yet for West Ham, so I'm going to try and will that into existence by not predicting it yet again. <laughs> uh, and I think, yeah, I think we're going to see Allaire get off the mark again. He's been, he hasn't been quiet. We know that, and we know how great he is even when he's not on the score sheet in the small sample size we've seen. I think he picks up a couple here and will make my FIFA investment in his ones-to-watch card payoff <laughs> dividends down the road. Um, that'll do it for our for our look ahead at Crystal Palace here. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to touch on some Hammers Polls questions to close out the episode. All right, part two, we're back. Uh, and again, this is episode 37 of the Green Street Hammers podcast with guest host Kevin Slade. Uh, Kevin, uh, you're here for uh, all things West Ham. And of course, we all know West Ham family relies on each other. And there's a lot of great charities that go on inside the West Ham community. Uh, why don't you tell us about uh, one you're, you're trying to promote here uh, moving forward? Yeah, so um, the DT38 Foundation is obviously the um, the Dylan Tom Beaters testicular cancer awareness uh charity you know no west ham fan is a stranger to that and um you know we're we're trying to raise a lot of awareness for that cause at the moment um through peacock white collar boxing which is uh through peacock's gym the world famous peacock gym all the top fighters all over the world have, have trained in this gym which is in cannon town which is in east london you know they're all a big West Ham community, a lot of West Ham supporters run it, a lot of West Ham supporters train there. Um, and every year they do a, a white collar boxing event at York Hall, hmm. which is in Bethnal Green, again, which is in East London. Uh, for those that don't know York Hall, it is the equivalent of playing football at Wembley. So if you box at York Hall, it is the home of British boxing, it is the equivalent of playing football at Wembley. So it is a really, really big deal. Uh, to people like myself who are going to participate in this night, um, which is on the 10th of November, by the way. Um, so basically what we're doing, uh, the Peacock Gym, uh, they're going to run the night. It's going to happen at York Hall. It's on the 10th of November, which is on a Sunday. So we're all going to be fighting on a holy day, must I add, lads. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's for, it's for a fantastic call. So I've got tickets to sell. Um, I'll put the prices on my Twitter uh, later on and obviously I'll pin it so it's at the top. Uh, but all the money will be going to the DT38 Foundation. So every penny earned, every ticket sold, you know, I think they're going to have, um, you know, like auctions and stuff like that. There's going to be ex-West Ham players there. There's going to be professional boxers there. Uh, you know, so it is going to be a really, really uh, a good night. Um, so, you know, I mean, it's a shame you two lads aren't over here. You could have come along. I think and, we would uh, be at you know, literally for sure. every event we could we could be at. Yeah, I would, I would be broke. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a shame you two can't be over here to uh, to watch me get me head punched in oh on, my uh, God, on a, on a Sunday. Roll with a video camera. <laughs> oh, don't say that. Oh, I forgot about that because everyone's got a mobile phone these days, isn't they? Oh so, yeah, you're yeah. Gonna be famous. You're going to be famous. Yeah, I know. No, no, it'd be fine. I mean, look. I mean, the thing about this is, I mean, it's. It, I love boxing. I mean. Football and boxing are my two favourite sports. I've always loved boxing, but I've never really participated in it. Um, and I tell you what, it's I take my hat off to every professional boxer, every amateur. It really, really is hard going. And uh, everyone that's involved uh, with this with this event, we've all made a lot of sacrifices. You know, we've all put our body through the wars. You know, every week I'm getting a black eye. I got a cracked rib two weeks ago. I'm still trying to recover from that. So, you know, we really, really are putting ourselves on the line. Uh, to make this happen um, on the 10th of November. 
And obviously, as I say, it's for a fantastic cause, which is uh, testicular cancer awareness, uh, which we sadly lost Dylan to, you know, a, a few years ago. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, for those that are listening to the podcast, um, you know, you can contact me on Twitter. I'm selling tickets personally. Uh, it really is going to be a really, really good night. And obviously, as I said, all the money is going towards the Dylan Tom Bedis Foundation. So, so it's it's a it's a great event and it's a great cause and you know everyone's been touched by that disease in one way or another so we all have that in common and it should rally us more than any affiliation to any team does but we all know things are different at West Ham so I think you know we say hats off to you Kevin and if do you have any good training stories along the way that you can tell us to get us even more <laughs> excited to to ramp up here perhaps how you cracked a rib or two um, <laughs> I wouldn't say a funny story. I can give you a few painful ones. Okay. But, uh, I, I wouldn't say a funny story. A few weeks ago, um, the gym that I train in, which is in Seven Kings, um, obviously I spar twice a week there. For those that don't know what sparring is, it, it is basically, you know, fighting. You know, you, you learn the ropes and stuff like that with the fighting. And uh, the guy that I was supposed to be sparring is obviously the same weight as me, obviously, because, you know, if, if you're a boxing fan, you know everyone's got to fight at the same weight. Um, well, anyway, the guy that I was supposed to be sparring didn't turn up. So uh, my trainer said to me, well, you're here now, so we're going to have to do something. So he goes into the other room, uh, into the weights room. Uh, there's another guy in there that also boxes. Anyway, he comes back in. He's six foot seven. He's 28 <laughs> years old, and he's probably about five stone heavier than me. So uh, cut a long story short, that's how I got my cracked rib. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't take a genius yeah, to yeah, piece together yeah, that one, no, no. Oh, Honestly, he was massive. He was, yeah, yeah, he was really big. Yeah, and I was like, I haven't got a chance. I couldn't even get near him. I don't even know why I bothered staying there, to be honest with you, boys. <laughs> but at the end of the day, like I said, you know, it's, I'm on a bit of a personal journey at the moment as well. So it, it, it really is. If you've never done it before, I would strongly recommend it to anyone. It, it really, really, I can understand why boxers do it. Because it is, it's addictive. It really, really is good. It's a really good sport to get involved with, and it keeps you fit. You lose a lot of weight, you know, and obviously you get opportunities like this come up where, uh, you know, you get the opportunity to box at your call for a fantastic cause. So, you know, it's, it's really positive at the end of the day. Yeah, it sounds like I was gonna say, no uh, downside other than maybe yeah. the odd cracked rib or black eye. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You only feel it the next day, though. When it actually happens, you know, you're full of adrenaline, you don't really feel it. You think, yeah, hey, that was really good. Then the next morning when you wake up, you're like, yeah, I can feel that one. <laughs> I have a job I have to go to. Well, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, a lot of, there's a lot of cardio involved in that too, right? I mean, you're not just going in and, and punching a bag or punching people, right? I mean, you're probably pretty swamped, pretty uh, pretty smoked at the end of the day, yeah? Yes. I mean, I'm 35 years old now, and um, I'd like to consider myself, you know, I've always been sort of active and fit and, and stuff like that, but I've never done anything like this. It really does take it out of you. And like I say, you know, the, the sacrifices that we've made for everyone that's involved, you know, all, all the all the fighters that are, you know, taking part in it, we've all made a lot of sacrifices. I'm, I'm not even drinking at the moment, you know. So, uh, I mean, I love a beer when I go to West Ham. Everyone knows that, that knows me, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not even drinking at the moment for the training. You know, the sacrifices that we've made and what we're putting our bodies through, it's, uh, you know, it really, really is hard. So, um, like I say, I take my hat off to any boxer, anyone that gets in the ring, what they put their bodies through, the training. It's the training that's the hard part of it. It really is hard, but it's mm. worth it. It's so rewarding at the end of the day. Mm. Well, uh, I think Jeremiah had something he wanted to, to ask you as well, heading, uh, heading mm. back into the, uh, the episode here. 
Yep. Well, yeah, I wanted I wanted to throw in there too. You said you're not drinking right now. That makes uh that makes life as a West Ham supporter even even harder. Uh, <laughs> in well, my opinion. <laughs> well, I'll be I'll be honest with you. Usually when I do drink, it's to drown my sorrows. So uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then again, we've only lost one all season, haven't we? So it's 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 worked out all right. Actually, it's worked out in my favour. Yeah. So. It's yeah. not been too bad so far. It's well, not uh, been too bad, no. <laughs> well, Kev, you uh, you run a little thing called uh, Sex, Drugs, and Carlton Cole. And uh, I guess for maybe somebody that's new to West Ham, they might not know. Or if somebody's been mm. living, under, living under a rock, they might not know uh, necessarily what it is that you do. So uh, maybe enlighten the, uh, the listeners a little bit. Yeah, so um, for those that don't know, back in 2014, uh, myself and Dave Walker of the West Ham Way, uh, we had an idea of, of starting up a fanzine. Well, actually, initially, Dave had the idea of, of starting up a fanzine. Uh, mm. it's, a, it's a story that's been well documented that he's done on other podcasts and, and things like this. Um, but cut a long story short, he asked me to get involved because uh, we went to school together. You know, we've been friends for, I don't know, a long time now, 25 years maybe. And uh, obviously, we've both got the mutual love for West Ham. We both adore the football club. And, um, yeah, I really wanted to get involved with it. So um, the first thing we done was create a Facebook page just to get the numbers going, you know, just to build a sort of little community around it. And uh, we then approached Julian Dix to do our first interview, um, mm-hmm. which is what Sex, Drugs and Carlton Cole is known for. It is known for, you know, the, the unique interviews and, you know, the techniques that we use to do it and, and stuff like that. And, you know, we interviewed quite a lot of uh, ex-players. We also interviewed Colton Leach, for those that don't know who he is, just Google him and he'll come up. He's a big West Ham name as well. Um, and obviously, more recently, I've just done Bill Gardner. Mm. Um, again, mm. again, who is, you know, if you don't know who Bill Gardner is, then you're not a real West Ham supporter because everyone knows who <laughs> Bill Gardner is, you know. Um, he really is, uh, he, he is Mr. West Ham to me in, in, the, in, the, in the supporter scene. He really is a, a, a unique character, and uh, I'm really proud of, of, of what I've done back in May with him because uh, he's got a book coming out as well uh, very soon. So, you know, I used that opportunity to help him promote the book that's coming out. And to be honest with you, it's probably been one of the most successful interviews that has been done through Sex, Drugs and Carlton Cole in, in the short space of time. Uh, as I say, I've done it in May, and I think it's, it's close to 100,000 views already. Uh, which, which has been yeah which has been it surprised me to be honest with you i mean i knew it was going to do well but i didn't think it was going to do that well so quickly um and as i say like bill's absolutely chuffed with it as well and uh you know i used that as as the tool to rebrand sex drugs and carlton cole as well obviously because myself and dave uh parted ways you know we had different ideas uh, moving forwards, obviously, Dave, you know, he was snowed under being the host of the West Ham Way podcast. I was on that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he wanted to keep that going. And, you know, I wasn't too keen on, you know, uh, carrying it on because of work commitments and stuff like that, because I missed a lot of it. Uh, I won't bore you guys with that one. But, um, you know, I really wanted to get back into into filming the interviews and the documentaries for Sex, Drugs and Carlton Cole. And obviously, Dave was snowed under with, you know, the West Ham Way stuff with the podcast and with the, the pre-match events that they do. So, you know, we just basically said, you know, we're part ways. We still remain friends, which we are. We're still very good friends. Um, it's the curse of success, take... right? That's yeah. right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But but we are going to work with each other again in the future That's at some point. Deal. You know, it, it, yeah, it's been discussed, obviously, because, you know, we both created it together. 
and uh, and you know it it is very successful, and obviously it's opened up um, you know more opportunities for both of us since we've done that. So uh, yeah, we are going to work together again in in the future at some point. We haven't discussed when yet, obviously because he's busy doing his thing and I'm busy doing my thing. Mm. Um, but yeah, watch your space. Watch the space, indeed. Watch the space. Yeah. We saw that you have a, 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 you know, not a new line, but a, a whole bunch of new merchandise, basically for yeah. the sex, drugs, yeah. and Carlton Cole logo, which is one of the best. The lettered version <laughs> or the uh, or the logoed one, you can't miss. Where can uh, where can West Ham supporters, if they don't already know, uh, get their hands on some of that? Right, you can visit sdccshop.com. Um, at the moment, there's baseball hats on there. There's T-shirts on there. There's uh, various T-shirts on there, actually. There's all different designs. Uh, there's backpacks on there as well, uh, which I'm going to be adding some more backpacks to it shortly. Um, and at the moment, I'm in the process of, of promoting the autumn slash winter collection, which will be uh, baseball jackets, a varsity baseball jacket, mm. which I'm very pleased with, by the way. Uh, they're really, <laughs> really nice. So I think, I think they're going to do well. Uh, I've got beanie hats coming um i've got gloves coming you know just all, all the typical sort of autumn winter stuff and they're all in claret and blue as well so you know it's a win-win situation really mm-hmm. are, are you are you modeling mm-hmm. these uh these shirts on the site <laughs> do you know what <laughs> do you know what but believe it or not this is going to sound really really silly because of obviously what i do but i really don't like the camera so um you know i I said to one of my one of my good friends who is a photographer. I said to him, "Look, I said I need to model some stuff. Can you uh, take some photos for me?" So I really didn't like him with my face in it. So I said, "Just cut my head off and just stick that on the website." So that's what we've done. So yeah, that that is me modelling it. Yeah, I'll I've got say, quite. Um, I'll say it's yeah. a it's a great warning shot to whoever you're boxing because the Grim Reaper <laughs> yeah. had pipes on you. I swear yeah, to God, yeah. you better you better give this guy a warning. Yeah, I was going to say, um, I've, I've got some quite distinctive tattoos. So, yeah, for, the, for those that know me, we know that it's me modeling it, yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. I love it. I love it. That's, yeah. uh, that's great. So, uh, sdccshop.com is the link for the shop there. And as well, watch watch Kev's Insta- or, sorry, his uh, Twitter account for uh, updates about the, the boxing match and where you can buy tickets as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, with that, uh, we will move ahead to our last section, which is our... Uh, one of our favorite installments on this on the show, and that is uh, our Hammers Pulls question segments. And we'll go around. We'll start. Excuse me. We'll start with you, Kevin, and we'll and we'll go to Jeremiah, and then uh, I'll mix my my thoughts in as well. And we'll vote on these okay. as they're going, so we'll get the uh, the results. Uh, the first question comes uh, six hours ago, and there's 422 votes, uh, and it's very related to what we're talking to. So, uh, seeing as Saturday uh, see, Saturday sees the return of two former West Ham players to London Stadium. Which of the now Palace players would you have back? James Tompkins, Cheku Kuyate, neither or both. Kev, what are your thoughts? Um, it's a difficult question because we have progressed a lot since those two have left. But I was I was really sad to see Tompkins go. Mm-hmm. He come through the academy. Uh, you know, I was a big fan of him, and obviously he's a local boy as well. I think Kiati. We saw the best of him at West Ham, oh, and I think um, he, he was on a bit of a, the end of yeah. That. <laughs> yeah, it was on a bit of a slippery slope, and he declined quite a lot. So I don't, I didn't really, I wasn't too bothered about him leaving. But I would, I would have Tomkins back if I had to choose one of them. Yeah, Jeremiah. Yeah, same thing for me. You know, when I came on the West Ham scene in uh, 2011, 2012 timeframe, you know, he was really key and uh, coming up through the academy. So yeah, I was, I was devastated to see him go, and uh, I would definitely take him back. I don't know, you know, how much he would play anymore, but he would still be a good voice to have. Mm. 
Yeah, Tompkins. But if I had to choose, I'd probably take, pick Tompkins as well because I think he also could play fullback. As I don't know he'll, how adventurous he'd be now, but uh, the, the the results are are coming in still. Uh, Tompkins at forty eight percent, Kuyate at eleven, neither at thirty six, and both at five. So some some hard, wow. some hard results there. Um, <laughs> we t- we touched on this one pre show a little bit, but uh, this question's from at Pretty Bubbles sixty five. How funny is Tottenham's two to seven defeat? exceedingly funny crying on the floor or infinitely doesn't pay so what do we what do we think here can we have all of them uh let's yeah. see here <laughs> can we have all of them because it was that funny there's a good showing on percentages here we got 51 for exceedingly funny 10 for crying uh 23 on the floor uh infidelity doesn't pay 16 percent to round it out there uh you just you love to see that result. It just makes you happy on the inside. I mean, look, I mean, I've got to be honest. I haven't met anyone that doesn't support Tottenham that actually likes them or doesn't mind them. No, no, this is genuine. I know we love to laugh at them, but I think, you know, we touched on this earlier before we started recording. You know, the reason why they're so loathed by everyone is because they think they're something they're not. You know, they've, they've won the same amount of trophies as us in the yeah. last 10 years. Mm-hmm. So, you know, which is nothing. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, well, we we won a playoff, you know. So, you know, we've got one over on them. You know what I mean? But no, but honestly, you know, we've. Uh, I I just I, I just can't stand their arrogance. That's what I don't like about them. It's their arrogance that I can't stand. Their supporters, the club itself, the chairman, the manager, everything about that football club, I just cannot stand because of their arrogance. And I don't like arrogant people in general. So, that is why we love to see them fail, boys. And I absolutely loved it last night. I've, still, I've got a smile on my face now whilst I'm talking to you. I just absolutely love watching them fail. Oh, I really do. It, yeah. it, it's something that you can take pride in, even though it doesn't involve West Ham. I love it too. Exactly, yeah. Jeremiah, any, any thoughts on, on Tottenham at all? No, I, I agree. I think uh, I pick all the above if that was an option. I was in the middle of a, a meeting yesterday, and the ESPN uh, notification came through my phone, and I literally said no shit in the middle of the meeting because uh, <laughs> I saw the notification of how they lost by that much. And uh, that is it's great. I think it's absolutely hilarious. And, and you're right, Kev. I think if you relate them, this is going to piss off some of our listeners, but if you relate them to uh, to American football, they're like the Dallas Cowboys where like you either like them or you just hate them. There's nobody that's like impartial to the Cowboys, I think. That's maybe my opinion to that. But, yeah, I mean, they're just – it's fun to watch them suffer, and uh, we had no room to talk in the in the cup match. But it's good to see that happen again. <laughs> Next good question here: Has Cresswell done enough to earn a contract extension? What do you think, Kev? Um, oh, I, I would keep him because it's better the devil you know than the devil you don't. Mm. Particularly, particularly mm. in today's market. I mean, you know, we've we've got an English left back on our hands at the moment, and uh, you know. Even even if we were trying to get rid of him, I still think we could get twenty million for him just because he's an English left back. Uh, I don't know. It, it is a difficult question. But I mean, he's playing really well at the moment, but con- he's, he's not consistent enough for me. He's really not consistent enough for me, which is really sad because I'm a big fan of Aaron Creswell. But if I were, if I was to personally give him a contract extension, it would be based on how he was for us as opposed to how he is for us now you know for yeah, nostalgic retirement reasons yeah kind of exactly yeah mm-hmm. but you know as i say we know what we're going to get with aaron creswell you know 
we're going to have to spend a lot of money to sign another fullback. You know, even if it is a number two to, to Mezuaku, because that's who Pellegrini clearly prefers at the moment. But mm-hmm. um, I probably would give him another contract. Yeah, I probably would. Yeah, Jeremiah. Yeah, I think along the same things that you're saying, you kind of have to. There's not a lot of options right now, and uh, he's playing good. You know, I would. Uh, I hate to pull a fat Sam and be like, "Be careful what you uh, wish for," but uh, mm. it's been a couple matches, and uh, let's see how it keeps playing out. You know, I love Aaron as much as uh, most of the other players on this team, and I just think that uh, he's got a good thing going. Hopefully, he keeps it up, and I think I think you kind of have to because the option of not having somebody or or, or trying to bring somebody else in that maybe hasn't played in the Premier League is is too much right now. Yeah, I, I agree. I would. I don't think there's any rush to the question's the question. So I would say yes if I was answering it. But there's no rush. You can you can obviously mm-hmm. take till the end of the season to really see what see what he wants and see how he's performed over that time. There's not a lot of players West Ham really need to spend money on in the summer. We'd want another center back that can contend maybe uh, another midfielder for sure. But fullback is probably a position to target uh, and specifically the left back. So you never know. Uh, I, I like the idea of the devil, you know, over the devil, you don't. So um, we'll see on mm. that one there. Next question up here. Uh, actually, I'm going to skip that one because it conjures up bad, bad memories about Oxford. Uh, and uh, <laughs> let's see here. Uh, we already have a salt picking palace to win, which is another solid question there. Um, so uh, West Ham have offered James Collins a club ambassador role. Have the club gone far enough in honoring the former center back? Yes or no. They've also promised, I believe, an opportunity for him to sort of say goodbye to the fans and, and the, the club itself as a player. Um, but they were kind of bullied into that on social media. So, uh, Kev, what are your thoughts on Collins' original goodbye and if they're, they've done enough with this ambassador role? They should have done it when they didn't offer him a new contract the first time around. You know, they didn't even give him an answer. You know, mm-hmm. for someone that has served the club so well over the years, uh, you know, he didn't want to leave the first time around. He was forced out the door because we needed the money under Gianfranco Zola. We never replaced him. That's why we struggled so much that season. Um, but as soon as he got the opportunity to come back, he dropped everything to come back to West Ham. He loves it at West Ham, you know, and we love him as well. And, you know, he, he really is a hero um, at West Ham. I wouldn't quite say a legend. I wouldn't go that far as much as I love him, but he really is a hero at West Ham. And, you know, he had a great relationship with the supporters as well. You know, he is the ginger Pele. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I mean, I don't know too much about what went on at the time, but he should have been offered something at the time um, you know, because he, he was just left out to dry, basically. That's what I believe. And, uh, you know, you can't you can't treat people like that, particularly someone that's given the football club so much, had such a great relationship with the supporters. You know, he he was a leader. He wasn't an official captain, but he was a leader and he really was a great player for West Ham. Um, but, you know, better too little than too late. So, you know, I'm glad that the club have reached out to him, albeit uh, being bullied over social media by the fan base. But I'm glad that they have. I'm glad that they have reached out to him and, and offered him a role because he deserves it. At the end of the day, he loves this football club, and uh, you know, people, uh, ex players like that, are very hard to come by these days. They just want their wages and they just want out the door. Yep, see you later. Thanks a lot. But he genuinely loves this football club, and uh, you know, I think giving him that role will be will be a very good thing. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't think we did him right by any means, but I think bringing him no. back is is good, and um, it's good to see that a lot of uh, they're inviting back a lot of ex players, more current ex players too. That um, mm. they're bringing back in and bringing them into the fold that that really are West Ham and want to be a part of that. So that's fantastic to see as well. And uh, yeah, I, I don't think they did it right. I was sad to to see him go and kind of I mean pissed off really that they never even did anything about it. And I don't know what went on. Um, and you kind of talk about him being bullied by the club that. That brings in, I'm going to make a caveat to this real quick. That brings in a, a little question that Scott Davis asked us. If uh, It was more based to you, Kev, but I'll open it up to, mm. to both of you. Uh, do you think that the club actually kind of listens to what goes on to Twitter, or are we just wasting our times? Um, I mean... Uh, I mean, obviously, I, I, used to, I used to do a podcast with the famous Mr. XWHU employee. <laughs> um, and... You know, he does break some news on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the other things are discussed that we don't discuss on air or that we didn't discuss on air at the time. Um, they definitely they definitely look at what's being said on social media, 100%. You know, they definitely look. Whether, you know, they listen to a lot of it or... I mean, I, I don't know, but... From what I believe, they definitely look at what's being said, 100%. I mean, you can't ignore it. I mean, social media is so powerful. You know, fan power on social media today is so powerful. I mean, long gone are the days where you'd hold a banner up and stand outside the gates at Upton Park. You know, <laughs> they, they, they just look out the balcony and think, look at this lot, then just go back in and drink their champagne or their wine or whatever. But now, with social media, it's so accessible, you can't ignore it. So... Yeah, I mean, they they definitely look at it. They definitely, I know that for a fact. They definitely look at it. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, maybe it's a good place for us to end the episode here with saying that that clearly the voice is heard, and it's great to hear uh, from that little insider tip there, Kev. That that the club looks at it, but we all should probably take a little bit more responsibility in what you say because the players also look at it and you don't want to be damaging to anybody's mental health on that side of things as well. And uh, it all comes back around to the West Ham family uh, that we talked about earlier in this episode. I think we're all confident of this team's ability on the pitch and we want to contribute to there being a stronger sense of family and team when it comes to outside of matches and outside of games. So um, with that being said, Kev, can't thank you enough for coming on and spending some time with us. Uh, You're welcome back anytime that you have a free evening or afternoon, our time to, to kill uh and uh for everyone else look ahead to to kev's twitter page and as well sdccshop.com for the latest sex drugs and carlton cole with the fall line coming out there as well uh any final words and thoughts yeah thanks for having me on guys it's been an absolute pleasure i've had a lot of fun thanks so much much, man thank you for coming on all right guys come on you irons on to crystal palace come on you irons Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.